You're listening to episode number 22 of the Nightingale Podcast. In this week's episode, we get to hear from Casey. Casey is in a position that is going to be really appealing to a lot of people who especially love variety in their lives. Casey's going to share with us her journey as a float RN, and she's going to tell us all about it and the things that she loves about this position that many people probably do not know much about. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the Nightingale podcast. And if you are loving it, I would love for you to share it with a friend If you could tag the Nightingale podcast and take a screenshot of you listening to this week's episode, that would be very much appreciated. And also, if you are listening in every week and you are loving these guests, go ahead and leave a rating or review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Let's go ahead and hear another amazing nursing journey from Casey this week. Hey friends, welcome to the Nightingale Podcast, a podcast for nurses, future nurses, and, well, anyone interested in the nursing profession. I'm your host, Dakota Falkowski, RN, BSN, and DNP student. Join us each week as I interview nurses from all areas of the nursing profession to uncover nursing opportunities that you may have not known even existed. You can expect to be inspired and maybe even a little bit motivated. The goal of the Nightingale podcast is to encourage you to think outside of the box, step outside of that comfort zone of yours, and reach for a fulfilling and unique nursing journey. So let's dive in and check out this week's guest. You never know, they may just have your dream job. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for joining us on the Nightingale podcast. We are so fortunate to hear your story today. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm super excited to talk about my job. It is so fun to hear everyone's different journeys, so I can't wait to dive right on in and have you tell us just who you are and just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I went to Northern Illinois University as well, and I graduated in December of 2016 with my BSN. And shortly after that, I would say like one to two weeks after I graduated, I moved to Boise, Idaho. So I've been living here since I graduated, and I've been working full-time at a hospital here as a float nurse. Awesome. I did not know that you were another NIU grad, so that's so fun. Yeah. (laughs) So if you don't mind me asking, what brought you to Boise then? So I met my now fiancé in Illinois. Um, five years ago, and he's originally from here, wanted to move back and live here, his family's here and such, and so I kind of just took a nosedive in and said that I would do it, and I have loved it since I've moved here. It's been amazing. How fun. What a great new adventure right when you're done with school, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So what, tell us a little bit about your your position that you're in. Where did you kind of start out? Are you in the same role? Yeah, so... Um, I feel like my story is a little bit different. I, when I was in nursing school, I actually did not do any work in a hospital. I was not a CNA, um, no patient care tech, nothing like that. I actually coached gymnastics the entire time. And so um, I always knew that I wanted to go to nursing school, but I didn't really know what for. And so I based everything that I did and learned off of my clinicals in nursing school. 
And originally I thought that was, you know, not the best way to do it or kind of scary, but it turned out to be perfectly fine. Um, I moved out here and like any new grad that doesn't know what they want to do, I applied for like every job that I could possibly get and met requirements for because I was like had the bare minimum. Um, And I ended up getting several job offers, but the one that I really liked and didn't even know it was the float pool. That was the one that I fell in love with because I was able to actually do all of the things in one. So currently um, I'm working med surge and that covers a total of eight, eight different units across the treasure Valley. Um, and then I also work for oncology and that is one inpatient unit and I think four outpatient, um, onc units. And then I also resource nurse at two different hospitals. So, you know, on any given day I could be doing one of those things. So it's a pretty, uh, wide variety of stuff. Oh my gosh. That is so fun that you just have that constant variety too. Mm-hmm. So you told us a little bit about, but can you explain the float pool position and just what that entails and how, what the requirements are for that? And just a little bit about that role. Yeah. So when you start your, you have to have three skill sets and in a skill set, let's say, let's use MedSearch for an example, because that's what I do. So MedSurge is considered um, two skill sets because we cover so many units, but another one would be like, let's say critical care or pediatrics. And within that skill set, you cover this many floors. Um, and they kind of go over that with you, which floors you're gonna cover and what units and what hospitals that would be. Um, you're supposed to have three total to like fulfill your um, float score and be fully supporting um, your units. So that's why I have the med surge and oncology because med surge counts as two. And um, yeah, you just kind of pick those. And typically they don't like to have like new grads start as in something that's a little bit more critical, like critical care, ICU, um, ED. You can do that, but you know, it's just better to have a little bit more experience because you aren't staying on one floor. You're actually floating to like several EDs. So you really need to know the flow of all those different things, have your time management down. So that's how they prefer to do it. But it doesn't mean you can't if that's really what you want to do. Um, and then you can you just pick based on what you like. So I started with MedSearch because I still to this day feel like, you know, I like a little bit of everything. And as a new grad, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So MedSearch sounded really great for me. Um, oncology was actually one that I kind of stumbled upon. So I was originally interested in telemetry. And then after a while, I was like, you know, I don't know if this is going to be for me. I don't know if I want to do this. And my supervisors kind of helped me dabble in several different um, areas trying to like do shadow shifts is what they call them. And you just pick a unit. Like I tried PEDS, shadow shift on PEDS see if you like it. I didn't really like peace. Um, and so now here I am and I do oncology. It's really great. Um, so those are the two um, skill sets. Resource nursing, however, is not a skill set. It's just an extra thing to do. So as resource nurse, you're actually floating around um, the entire hospital and tasking for everybody in the hospital. And that's really fun because you don't have a specific patient group. 
you're focusing on like doing things for nurses, like starting IVs for them, putting in Foley's, um, NG tubes, any type of skill that they may need help with. And then we also can transport patients around in the hospital um, if our transport is really busy. And let's say they have blood running or something like that and there has to be a nurse, um, we can do that. We also do conscious sedations, which are really fun. So we ha we'll do sometimes bedside cardio versions on the telemetry floor. Um, we'll help in the ED if they need a conscious sedation on a kiddo because they dislocated a bone, um, all sorts of stuff. So that one's really fun, but it does not count towards a skill set. So it's kind of just like an extra thing that I like to do to keep myself busy and keep up on like new policies and helping all the nurses around the hospital. That is perfect. So is that is that position then part of your full-time hours or is that kind of a separate role altogether? So it's actually part of the full-time and that one depending on where you're at because in one of our hospitals you work um, just your regular 7 to 7.30 and I work day shift so it would be 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. and then in the other hospital because resource nurses only go to two of our several um, the other hospital is 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. And that's just because it is a smaller hospital. So they stick us in there when it's like the busier part of the day. Um, so yeah, you have to be trained to do it. You have to have your ACLS and PALS um, just because you're doing those conscious sedations and you're transporting people and things like that. And you are tasking everywhere, including like cardiac um, observation unit. We go everywhere in the hospital. So those are requirements for that. Um, but, and then for med surge, I forgot to mention med surge, actually, we didn't have any specific requirements, um, just because it's just plain old med surge. So, um, I did it with my residency program and all you needed was your BLS and oncology, you actually have to be on, um, chemotherapy certified to do that. So that's like a nine hour class and some meeting with the, um, oncology educator, all that stuff as well. Oh my goodness. That sounds like the perfect position for someone who wants variety. And you know what? I've never looked at it as the, on the perspective of a new graduate with the float position. So that is a really great way to look at your opportunity to get a bunch of different experiences to even just to see what you like within the hospital and then settle in somewhere down the road if you're not wanting to do the float position anymore. Right. It really is. It's perfect. And, and I think a lot of new nurses, it can be kind of intimidating because you are required to maintain competency in like several different areas. So once you start doing it, a lot of it is so similar that it's not as challenging as people would probably think. And it really does give you an opportunity to try so many different things. So there's, there's skill sets for almost everything in the hospital. Um, except for like your super specialty areas like um, OR, PACU, pre-op. Um, we actually can go to the cardiac observation unit. It's very similar to resource nursing. It doesn't count as a skill set, but we do float there and work there. Um, so it's, it's a really great start for someone who kind of doesn't know what they want to do. Yeah, it sounds like it. How cool. So mm -hmm. what, when you're going to the different units, do you have, mm -hmm. are you, could you be on a different unit every single day? Do you usually stay on the same unit for a couple shifts in a row? How does that look? Yeah, so um, 
sometimes we are pre-scheduled and all of us float nurses, we have this app on our phone and I think lots of people in the hospital do, but I utilize mine a lot more because I don't know where I'm going at the beginning of the day. So Mm -hmm. um, I will look and see at six o'clock in the morning, um, it'll be on our app where we're going to float to for the day. Um, You go there and my shift the rest of the day looks just like any other nurse. Now, the, the rest of the week just depends on where how staffing is. So if the floor is really uh, low on nurses, let's say, and you support that unit, there's a higher chance that you'll go there for the day. Um, but in a week, I could be at three or four different units. And I would say that has its pros and cons, you know, like, like any position does. Um, but for the most part, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it's nice, too, that you're able to look it up and sort of mentally prepare yourself, even just that hour mm-hmm. before, because that can that can mess with some people not knowing when they're walking in where they're going. Yes, and I would say if you do have to be pretty flexible to do this um, and kind of laugh, because honestly, you know, you could even get floated during the middle of your shift. So I've had it before where, you know, a nurse, on another unit, let's say, was only signed up to work eight hours instead of 12, and I'm working at 12, and I support that unit, I may work my first eight hours on one shift and my last four on another floor. So it totally depends. And they really try not to mid-shift float because it messes with the um, continuity of care for the patients, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it happens. So if you're not flexible or you really don't like the unknown, float nursing may not be for you. But for me, I really don't mind. Um, It kind of keeps me on my toes. Yeah. And what a great way to just meet people and make connections all over the hospital. Yes. I love that part. It's really funny that you mentioned that actually, because some of the nurses that I work with on like, let's say they have a home unit. um, They'll say, Oh, I don't know how you do this. You know, um, I don't know how you don't have a home floor and you, you meet so many different people. And my response is always like, my home floor is every floor. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I have friends in all the places and it's a really great opportunity to meet a lot of people, learn a lot of different things. I, I love it. It's really, really great. Yeah. That learning piece too. That is such a good point because like Every floor, I'm sure, does things a little bit differently, too. So you can take things from mm-hmm. every floor and bring them back to other floors, too, which I'm sure is nice. Yes, I do. And that's, that's really another great point of this job. I remember working on a neuro floor one day. I was on the neuro floor. This patient was confused and just had a hip replacement. But, like, the neuro nurses don't work with um, ortho patients. And Mm so he's really uncomfortable with how he's laying, and I kind of helped him from my ortho experience get the the patient positioned in a way that was comfortable for a tip that was, like, a fresh replacement so that he could sleep and, you know, all that good stuff. So it is. It's a really fun job, honestly. Yeah. So you kind of told us a little bit, but I'd like to hear, like, what are some of the things that you love about your role? Let's see. I feel like there's several things that I really like about my job. Um, Like I mentioned, having a home floor on every floor. I have friends all over the place. Um, Sometimes I even work up in Sun Valley, which is uh, two and a half hours away about, and that's optional. But I now have friends up there. So I really like having friends in all these different places. 
Um, I also really enjoy the learning experience because you don't always get to learn as much being in just one um, spot, I guess you could say. Mm So I learn something different every shift just because I'm on ortho one day, I'm on neuro another day, I'm working with women another day, and then my last day I'm like giving chemo to Mm -hmm. a patient that's outpatient. So there is a huge learning curve and you learn a lot more and you're competent in a lot of areas. Oh, yeah. So how long does the orientation process typically look like and how how do they handle the orientation for all those different units? Yeah, that's a good question. So when you start you um, as a brand new person, um, you orient, I want to say for like six or seven weeks or something along those lines on one unit. So I actually did a lot of switching around. I started on day shift for, I don't know, my first six or seven weeks. Um, And then I went to night shift for a year. And that I didn't have to have any new orientation for, but I was orienting to a couple more units. Um, So you start six or seven weeks. Then you go, every unit that you tack on is a little bit less because essentially you're doing the same thing, it's just a different floor. And you orient to all of a skill set at one time. So you do seven weeks on, let's say, the ortho floor, and then you do four weeks on the neural floor, and then you do three weeks on this floor until you're down to your last unit, and then you do one week. Now, if there's ever an area where you're struggling or you're like, hey, I just can't seem to get these stroke assessments down or I can't seem to figure out hip precautions, whatever it is, it's so important that you just advocate for yourself, talk to your supervisor because they do give you some extra time if you need it. They're not going to force you to, you know, know too bad. You know, they want to make sure that you're comfortable because, again, you are going to be going to these different units all different days. And you may not float to a unit for like a month or two. Also, so it is really important that you're comfortable before they take you off of orientation. Yeah. So that's typically how they do it. That's nice. It seems like you do get a pretty good orientation then because I'm Mm -hmm. sure that that is another concern is that for new graduates, not wanting to feel like you're thrown in, but you're getting a lot of good experience. Yeah, you do. And they give you what they call developmental time as well. And so it's still technically part of the orientation, but you don't have a preceptor. So at this point, you can, I believe you can only have like up to four patients on the med search floor, let's say. You can only have up to four patients and they put it on our staffing sheet so that everyone's aware, like we can really give you some extra help if you need it or we're not, you know, we can give you some extra focus and things like that. For those of us that are not as new, um, we'll know that you're on developmental time and we can help you out a little bit more if you need it. That's such a good opportunity, too, because I feel like I'm definitely one of those people that I learn best when I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I struggle with having a long orientation because it's hard. A lot of the people that are orienting are really strong nurses. And so Mm -hmm. they want to be involved in their patient's care. So it's kind of nice that you have that chance because then you're kind of more in the primary role. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's super helpful. And it does give that nurse, that independence, um, without us like hovering over them, but we still in the back of our mind are like, Oh yeah, they're on developmental. So we'll go and like check on them. Like, Hey, just checking on you. Like, do you need anything? Do you have any questions? And if not, we just kind of let them keep doing their thing. And if we do, we kind of stop and help them. So it's, it's a really, really good, um, learning time for new grads. 
Love that. Friends, starting a new position is scary. It's frightening, it's overwhelming, it's exciting. It's all of the things. I know, I've started many new positions in my time as an RN. But really, it doesn't have to be as difficult as we try to make it. Through these experiences, I have gathered five tips to starting a new position and making that transition as smooth as possible. I have created a free guide for you as my listeners to make this transition as seamless as possible and allow you to really excel in your new position. So if you recently started a new position, you are going to start a new job, or you know someone who's going to start a new position. I mean, come on, you have to fall into one of those three categories. Then head on over to the nightingalepodcast.com to sign up to receive your 100% free copy of the five tips PDF. I'm here to support you through all your new ventures in your careers, and I believe these five tips are going to do just that. So head on over to thenightingalepodcast.com after this episode and download your free guide. I mean, come on, what do you have to lose? So any, you talked a little bit about this too, but what are the downsides? What are the kind of drawbacks about the position? Yeah, I would say um, probably, Oddly, maintaining competency is a good thing, but it can also be kind of challenging because, like I mentioned, you sometimes don't flow to a unit for, I don't know, a month, sometimes two, and you can always request to go back there if you haven't, but that can be really challenging because, you know, you haven't gone there. So, um, sometimes maintaining competency in certain areas or with specific surgeries, that can be kind of challenging. Um, Another one is not always having the same patient group. So sometimes I can take care of three or four, you know, different sets of patients during the week. Sometimes I can get mischief loaded and take care of 10 patients in a day. And that is a lot, you know, a lot of charting, a lot of trying to keep straight who has what and who's doing what. Um, So that can be challenging as well. But, you know, it's all part of what the part of the job. So it's not the end of the world, but it can be challenging for sure. Oh, yeah, I imagine. I I want to say, too, I think that with the competencies and stuff, I've run into that, too, with my being in a PRN role or registry, too. And I'm sure that's kind of how it is similar to with Float is that you kind of sometimes have to really be on top of your stuff where you aren't in a not that they you get forgotten about, but sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be your own advocate and you really have to stay organized and stay on top of your stuff because, like you said, you might not circle back around to a unit for a while or, like for me with registry, I might not work for a few weeks. So you have to make sure that you're staying up on all the computer trainings on yeah. coming in and doing mandatory education sessions on your ACLS, your PALS, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, um, without expecting someone to just tell you, hey, you got to come do this. Right, right. Um, and the other thing I was going to mention about that specifically is we have float guides on each floor, which is really awesome. So if we haven't been to a floor in a long time, I will sometimes pull Um, a float guide so I can like just have a quick overview of like okay make sure when you have this type of patient you're focusing on these things or like this is when they take their vitals here because every floor takes their vitals at different times 
And, you know, floors are just different. And so sometimes those float guides are super helpful too, just as like a refresher for when you get to your shift if you haven't been on that floor in a while. Um, and also the charge nurses are often extremely helpful and appreciative of the floats. And they are, you know, I still to this day have tons of questions and, and especially being afloat when I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't had this in a while. Can you help me? Or can you just give me a quick reminder of pointers of what I am or am not supposed to do? They're really helpful as well. Oh, that's so good. I love that point. I think mm-hmm. that for any everyone, especially new graduates or people who aren't who are not in a position that they're constantly on the same unit, that you have got to be comfortable asking for help and speaking up and especially to your charge nurse and just saying, hey, like I I need a little bit of assistance just so they know too that like you said, they can circle back around and make sure you're not drowning because sometimes it is hard to like reach out when you're so like overwhelmed or you have a lot going on. So that's so true too for new graduates to remember is to Sometimes we just want to be like superhuman and take everything on <laughs> ourselves. And I I even do this too, where I'm just like, I have got this and this and this to do. And I know in my head and I sometimes am like, oh, it's easier for me just to like put my head down and just get it done. But right. that's not, that isn't, we don't have to take that on by ourselves. There's There's resources. So letting people know whatever role you're in, hey, can you help me out with this? Yeah, I think that's just so good. It is. It's so, so important, and especially with um, floating. I know when I first started, um, you know, I was in that kind of in-between where it was like, okay, I'm not um, in my, my, um, I don't have a preceptor anymore, let's say, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm kind of by myself, and sometimes I would even be, like, nervous to ask questions because I didn't want anyone to think like, oh, wow, that's a really stupid question. You should know that yeah, or whatever. And so, yeah, it is, it is so important. Never be afraid to ask questions. And, you know, you should always feel supported and like you have someone there to help you. So it is super, super important that you have that resource there for you. That is so true. And I think that we, we forget that people would rather have us ask those questions that we think are dumb mm-hmm. rather than continuing to do something the wrong way or not do something that we should be doing. I've had that too, where I had a pretty short orientation for my position I just started right. just because I'm registry and I have experience. And there's silly things that come up, like they have tags for the IV pumps that I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what we're supposed to be even doing with these things. So just like not being afraid to just be like, hey, this is, and you can even say if you feel better about it, say, this is kind of a silly question at this point, but what do we do with this or whatever it may be? (laughs) And quite frankly, I think it's important to remember that, you know, we probably have all asked those same questions that they're like thinking or the questions that Mm -hmm. they have. We've all been there. Like we've all been new. And so it's important to just like, go ahead and ask your questions, even if you feel like it's silly or even if, even if it's for just like a little piece of reassurance, because sometimes that helps. It's like, you know the answer, but you want someone that's a little bit more experienced to kind of back you up and say, hey, yeah, you're on the right track or you're thinking the right thing. Go ahead and do it type of deal. Right. And I think, too, you, if you were starting on a new unit or for you in a float position where 
you're not always on the same unit. If you see something that you're like, I'm really genuinely don't know why they're doing it this way, mm-hmm. or you feel like you just don't understand a process, that is a really good time too to ask those questions because maybe they haven't really thought through. Maybe no one's really stopped to say, hey, why are we doing this? Or why aren't we doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's how we create change. Right. Right. That's totally correct. I agree with you 100%. So I'd love to hear, have you received any big advice or learn any important lessons to kind of get you to where you are in your career or your nursing journey so far? Um, let's see. I feel like most of the things I've kind of learned as I've gone and learned things that were very important to myself. And I would say one of the first ones is um, never be afraid to try something new. Um, It can be very intimidating and nerve wracking, especially as a new grad, because you're like, man, I just got out of nursing school and I barely know what I'm doing. That's true. But like, don't be afraid to try it because you will never know until you actually do it. I thought I would hate the flow pool. And it's been one of the greatest decisions of my life. I love it so much. So um, don't be afraid to try anything new. Just like go for it. Um, And I would say another thing is to always advocate for yourself and for your patients. Um, That can be hard and scary. You don't want to like step on anybody's toes. Um, you don't want anyone getting upset at you, but at the end of the day, if you don't advocate for yourself, honestly, nobody else is going to do it. So if you don't like the position that you're in, don't do it. Advocate for yourself. Find something else that's going to work for you. If you feel like something's wrong with your patient and nobody's listening, find a way to effectively communicate so that everybody's kind of on the same page. The last one was on like kind of what we already went over. Um, never be afraid to ask questions. You know, if you don't have any questions, that's kind of when stuff starts getting scary because I don't care if you've been a nurse for a year or 25 years. Technology is always changing. Processes for doing things are always changing, and so are policies. And, like, never be afraid to ask and get things clarified or get a better understanding. No question is stupid or dumb. That's so true. I love all of that advice. I think that is so good for, like you said, everyone, anyone in, whether you're just getting started or you've been in your nursing career for a long time, I think all three of those um, suggestions are really good. Yeah. So, so much of the podcast is kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone and just striving for a career that you love and just moving forward with your nursing journey. So I'd love to hear what your long-term goals are or your vision for your career. I love this question Um, (laughs) um, because I feel like I started listening to your podcast when it first came out because I was trying to figure out, oh my gosh, Casey, what are you going to do like long-term? So for a little bit, I was thinking I wanted to be an NP and I don't know, I'm not quite committed to it yet. I met with a nurse Mm -hmm. practitioner and kind of talked about it and I'm just not quite you know, committed. So um, I'm definitely going to go back to school. Um, I'm thinking I'm probably going to go back for my master's in education and leadership. Um, I love new grads. I love um, nursing students. I love teaching. I love learning and all that great stuff that comes along with being a nurse. And so I think that would be a really good start for me. Um, and I'll probably go back to school within the next year or so. Um, and then after that, I don't know. Maybe my NP, but I'm not sure. And then while I'm doing that, 
I'm also going to, I've started doing a few other things in the hospital um, focus around new grads. Clinical support unit started a new program for new grads and new nurses, so I'm actually part of both of those. One of them is for nurses in their residency, where you're with them for their 12 weeks, basically, but they get to float instead of be on one unit. Um, so I'll have a nursing student for uh, 12 weeks starting in the fall. And then the other one is a program focused around our new grads. So you actually have a brand new grad with you that's like a, you mentor them and you're not necessarily precepting them the whole time, but you're kind of helping them along their way um, in their first year of nursing because that's, that's a hard year. So um, I do that as well. And then I'm also in the process of starting my blog. So <laughs> those are all the things I'm doing right now. It's kind of a lot but it is really fun and very exciting. Yay. Well, first of all, I want to hear, tell us about your blog. What's the blog about? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I just started working on it. It's not published yet, but you can go on to it. It's kmariern.com and you can subscribe that way. As soon as it's done, you'll get a notification that it's published and things are on there. And um, it's really going to be focused around new grads, new nursing, um, students and all things that are nursing. It's not necessarily going to be um, float nursing, but just things that, you know, I realized, okay, I somebody would have told me this, like taking time for myself. You know, you can be so busy with work and doing all of this stuff, but it's really important that you take time for yourself once a week at least to just do something you enjoy, rest, read, whatever it be, or, you know, there was a day where I spent a day doing IVs and I was like, man, I wish I would have had someone to talk to me about this, like doing certain skills and all sorts of all sorts of stuff. So it'll be uh, general nursing um, focused towards new grads and uh, nursing students. So, Yay. I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for you. So I want to go back to some of your other goals. So I think that you brought up such a good point when you were talking about your your plans for nurse practitioner and not knowing. I think it is so, sometimes it's so daunting to feel like you have to, you want to do something because we are lifelong learners and we kind of all do have a personality where what's next is like how we get at a certain point in our career. So I love that you use your resources and you reached out to an NP. That is a great way to find out if something, if it's something that you really want to pursue. Because I think sometimes we get so focused on the NP route and we think that that is the only next step for us as nurses and if we want to continue on. So I love that you're starting to explore other options because that isn't the only route to go. There's tons of other ways if you want to go back to school. There's tons of other degrees you can get as far as master's or doctoral degrees for nursing and again when you moved on like you're like what can I do right now and I love that because you don't always have to go back to school to get that more like you can start programs within your hospital you can get more involved in committees there's so many options there are and just to touch on the NP thing it was very daunting for me because here I am, I feel like most people, including myself before I talked to this nurse practitioner, thought like, okay, you go to school, you get your bachelor's, then you go be an NP. And really, you know, for me, I wasn't thinking, okay, I really, really want to be an NP. But here you have several people, which I'm sure other people can relate to this, 
asking, hey, when are you going to go to school to be an MP? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't really know if that's what I want to do. And so it is important that you take the time. Going to school to be an MP is not your only option. Make sure you do your research because it does. you don't have to necessarily do that. And you want to make sure that if you're paid to go to school, you're doing something that you love and you're not doing it because someone else told you to do it or because you think the paycheck's going to be super awesome. You know, you want to do it because it's your dream and you love it and you want to be able to help other people. So make sure that, you know, you guys do it that way instead of listening to what everybody else is saying. It is so crucial. That's so good. That is awesome advice because I, I definitely can see that where we have definitely shifted to, like you said, right away, we're wondering, you get your bachelor's, then what's next? It's like, it doesn't have to be a what's next. You you can stay where you're at forever. Right. Or if you don't want to, there's other options out there because it is true that you don't want to graduate and then just rush into the next thing because first of all you're going to get out there and you're going to realize that you are going to have different experiences your idea of what you want to do is definitely going to change because of your experiences you're going to think that you want to do one thing and then it's going to switch up because you decided that's not for you or whatever so it is good to have that time and just to not feel like you have to go rushing into something yeah, and you don't. And it's also, I like that you mentioned that it's okay to not know. I feel like mm -hmm. I am the epitome of not knowing. I started out not knowing what I wanted to do, and now I'm just dabbling in everything. And I still, you know, going forward, I'm like, I still don't know what I want to do in the future, but I'm making all these pit stops along the way, and I'm extremely happy. You know, I don't feel rushed. I don't feel like I have to do anything by a certain time. I'm just doing what makes me happy and how I can best help other nurses kind of make their way along the nursing journey as well. Yeah, and I think that is, that's what's so unique about nursing is that you do have all those different options and that if you, if you are someone that wants to get involved with helping the future of nursing, if, if you really like working with students, then you have options to help them or do different things in your current role as an RN. You don't have to go on and get an education necessarily if you don't want to, that there's something you can do now to even just to see if that's some route that you want to go down the road. Right. And another case in point is that you actually, I know plenty of nurses who are still loving their jobs and doing all sorts of stuff and didn't go back to get, didn't go back to school just because it wasn't their preference but they're still really enjoying what they're doing and loving it. And that's okay too. You know, just do whatever makes you happy in the end. Right. Cause it's, it's not cheap. Like you said, to <laughs> go and get a degree that you're not going to use. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm all the way sure. Cause it is it's very expensive. And I mean, you already pay for one degree and then you're going to go and pay for more. And so, yeah, you do want to make sure that you are sure um, before you, you know, walk in one direction or another yep so good so i want to kind of end the episode with hearing so our last question is if you have any tattoos what are they and if you do not have any tattoos what would you get and this question if you haven't listened to the podcast before stems from the idea that the nightingale podcast i created it and then i realized i had two nightingale bird tattoos on my back so it's just kind of a fun thing to get to know uh, a new nurse each week right so um i really like this question as well <laughs> i have three actually 
So the first one I have is on my side, and it's really small. It says just breathe. And it was one, honestly, that I got when I was, like, 20 years old. I really wanted a tattoo, and I was like, eh, it doesn't mean much to me. But now I feel like sometimes when I'm up in those, like, in a rut or really upset or, you know, trying to control something that I can't, um, it's a good reminder to just kind of take a step, take a breath, and, like, relax for a minute, you know, and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, my second one I have is on my right shoulder, and it's three flowers. Um, I have two sisters, and we're all born in May. And so uh, I want to say a year or two ago, my youngest sister turned 18, and we all wanted to get matching tattoos. So each of us picked a flower. Um, there's a daisy, a magnolia, and a dahlia. And they're all grouped together in a little cluster, and we all have that one. Um, and then the last one that I have is on my wrist, and it's I always wanted my zodiac sign. I'm a Gemini but I don't like the way it looks. And so I actually went on Pinterest and found this idea and it's a moon flower. And so every month has a moon sign and mine is a flower because I'm born in May. And so it's a crescent moon with a lotus flower sitting above it. And that's what I have. I love those. Those are so good. Mm Mm-hmm. I love your Just Breathe one, too, by the way, because it's so fun to see, like, different reminders that you can give yourself. Yeah. And I have I have faith on my back, and so sometimes I just have to remember, just have faith, just have faith. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a good reminder to just, like, take a second and, like, breathe and just wait it out, weather the storm. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's so good. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. Your journey is so great to hear. And I think that everyone is really going to love hearing more about the float role. And it's just so fun to chat with you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Nightingale podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you subscribe so that you are getting weekly notifications when the new episode comes out. And while you are there, I would really appreciate you leaving a review. And maybe your review will be featured on an upcoming podcast. You can check out all episodes at thenightingalepodcast.com or on Facebook at The Nightingale Podcast.